0: Lord, we thank you Father for your holiness Lord Father God we thank you for God your willingness just to bring us here this morning God we thank you for your holiness Father and, and the power you have to move Lord I ask that this morning God that there would be a move of God that moves us to you Lord that moves us to your feet God that moves us to a deeper intimacy than we have had before in Jesus Christ Lord so we pray that you would be magnified and that you would be glorified today and in Jesus' name, we pray and believe these things. Amen. Amen. Am I on Am I off on mine? Right, am I Am I good? We had us going earlier. Did we go out? Check, 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 check. We might have gone out. That's all right. We got another thing back here. One more time. Out. Okay. Well, that's all right. We got another mic, so I'll just hold this guy. But, um, Oops. We go Well guys, thanks for coming and joining us at ESS this morning. My name is Luke. For those of you who do not know me, um, one quick update before we get going um, with today's scripture in Ephesians is Rick, which most of you guys know him, um, has an update. His heart surgery went well this week and just got a text from Julie this morning that he is on his way home. And so that's a big praise report because they ended up having to do pretty extensive Um, heart surgery for him and through the week was pretty tough and so just continue to pray for him because Julie said the biggest thing right now is just he's having a hard time just with energy of just getting pretty drained so just be praying for him and and be praying for Julie as well because I know she's been really um, supportive of Rick and been been up many late hours with him so just continue to pray for her health as well and just strength um, as she helps Rick in this time so Guys, keep praying for that. We'll keep you guys updated as far as Rick is concerned and Julie. But this morning we're going to jump into Ephesians chapter 5. But before we get into scripture for today on verses 1 and 2, just want to talk about the transition that's happened from we've talked about in chapter 4, how we walk out our call that we saw in chapters 1, two and three. And in chapter four, we saw that we were a team. And through the fivefold and through the working of the body, how we fulfilled this call. But in chapter five, we're transitioning into the, the church being talked about as the bride of Christ. And when you guys think of a bride, what what comes to your mind? I was just thinking about no man in his right mind when his wife comes around, walks down the aisle, just kind of shrugs their shoulders and says, oh, well yeah. That's the best I could do. Oh, man, that, that, that's, that's all right. And kind of just shrugs their shoulders. Man, nobody does that. There's this, you your pump. man. You're thankful. And um, luckily for me, that, that time wasn't that long ago. About six months ago, I was able to get married. And walking, watching Sarah walk down the hall, it wasn't just a, a, a shrug of my, my shoulders. But instead, man, I was excited. And that, that was just that gift that God had given me and her. And that's, that's the way men react when they see the, their bride, the beauty of the bride, just the preciousness of Of that gift, and that's the same thing with God with His with His bride. And as we talk about in chapter five, just how God cherishes and nourishes the church, He says as a man does his bride. And with that statement, I really want to challenge us this morning to be careful how you think about yourself and how you talk about yourself. To be careful how you think about the church and how you speak about the church, because it's God's bride. If someone speaks poorly of Sarah, man, that kind of gets me fired up because she's my, she's my wife that I care about. Her. And the way that God cherishes the church, he cherishes you. It matters how you talk about yourself. And I don't know if you've ever been around someone you love who has talked down on themselves. And it's just uncomfortable because you love that person and you don't like to hear them talk that way about themselves. And this past week in our small groups, we talked about how when we're, self, when we're, when we're self-loathing or when we talk about how um, bad we are, how sinful we are. It's really, we think it's humility, but it's more pride, because we're more focused on ourselves. we're more focused on our downfall than we are in the finished work of Christ. That Christ is the one who has made us holy and blameless, and because of that, we have no reason to be self-loathing, but instead to focus our, our attention on who Christ is and what he's done. So the first half of chapter 5 really talks about what kind of behavior do we have as the bride of Christ. And the second part of chapter 5 really lays out this parallel of Christ and the church and a husband and his bride. So just want us to have that picture of the bride of Christ and who we really are in Christ because of what he's done. Not because of how awesome we are, but because of what Christ has done on the cross. So as we jump in to chapter 5 verse 1 and 2, he says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. The title of today's message is Imitators. And the reason that is, is it starts out, we see, that we should be imitators of God. I saw this really interesting statistic. It said that the, the people around, the top three people around the most, that we naturally adapt their characteristics. We naturally start to adapt just mannerisms, the way they talk, that whoever we're around the most, we just start to absorb things without even trying. So the question for us today, are we around just God? Are we around the person of Christ enough that we just start to adapt who He is? Not just because we're trying hard, not just because we're trying to obey, but we're around His presence where His character, His truth, His love just starts to wear off, starts, starts to be absorbed, in our heart. And, and the reason why I want to point out the, the being around God part is it's very easy to go to God with our issues. It's very easy to go to God with our, with our worries and go to God with, with different things, which isn't necessarily bad within itself, but are we going to God for God? Do we go to God for Him? Do we want our problems solved? Do we want our our answers, our questions answered? Do we want our, our suffering to go away? Or do we just want to be with the person of Jesus Christ? And there's a difference between just going to Him with our problems. There's a difference between reading the Bible in search of answers compared to reading the Bible to know who God is. The challenge this morning is that we would be around God enough that his attributes, his character, his love, his mercy would be absorbed into us and we would be imitators of God because we know him and we're intimate with him. In Psalm 73, there's this guy named Asaph and Asaph is, he's distressed because everyone around him is wicked. Man, these people don't love God. These people actually hate God. They rebel against God. They're wicked to the poor. Man, they, they absorb, or they, they abuse their riches. And Asaph's question is, why are the wicked so well off and the righteous suffering? Why are the wicked the ones with all the stuff while the righteous, those who follow God, are hurting? Man, they don't have the same things that the wicked do. And in the midst of this, Asaph is, is questioning the Lord, but we see in Psalm 73, if we can, man, none of my stuff's working this morning. That's right. So we see in Psalm 73, this is what Asaph is thinking when he gets to this point. Why, why are the wicked prospering while the righteous suffer? And he says, when I pondered to understand this, it was troublesome in my spirit until I came into the sanctuary of God, then I perceived their end. Asaph's saying, when I was trying to figure out my problem, when I was trying to figure this out in my head, it was just making him troublesome. He was getting worried. He was getting weighed down. But the shift comes in verse 17 because he says, Until I came into the sanctuary of God that things didn't change in Asaph's mind until he was in the sanctuary of God, until he was with God intimately and personally. And when you look at that word sanctuary, in the Old Testament, God says to, to Moses, build me a sanctuary that I may dwell with my people. That's the sanctuary of the Old Testament is this sign, is this place of intimacy with God and his people. That Esau's mind changed when he started to see things from God's perspective. But he couldn't see things from God's perspective in verse 16 when he was just trying to solve the problem. The only time that, that, that perception switched is when he got in the presence of God and in the sanctuary of God. Then he perceived what the wicked was doing from God's perspective. Another great scripture with this is Psalm 84, 10 through 11. He says, For a day in your courts is better than a thousand outside. I would rather stand at the threshold of the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked." For the Lord God is a sun and a shield, and the Lord gives grace and glory. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. There's this joy we see from David of just being in God's presence. That one day with the Lord, just one day in his presence is better than a thousand anywhere else. This joy that comes from intimacy with Christ. And the reason why I really want to hit on this intimacy and this love today is when we go back to Ephesians we see that we imitate God as beloved children. Have you guys ever seen a child try to imitate their parents? Just like a little kid. I was coaching track three years ago with, with this guy who had a, a kid who was about five years old. And he was running across this park and his little kid was trying to keep up with him, wherever he went. But he just couldn't really do it. And finally this little kid says, Dad, where are you going? And he said, I'm going, going to the other side. And he goes, I just want to be where you are. That's, that's what he said. Wherever you go, Dad, I just want to go where you go. And he didn't really know where his dad was going. He didn't know why he was going there. But he was just imitating him. And his dad would sit, um, go down and tie his shoe. And his son would bend down. He couldn't tie his shoe because they were Velcro. But he would still bend down and act like he was tying his shoe. And it, this, this son just, he, why was he doing this? Man, he just loved his dad. And because he looked up to his dad, he just wanted to be like him. And I'm hitting on this intimacy in Psalm 73 and, and Psalm 84 because this imitation has to come out of an intimacy with the Lord just because we desire to be with Him. That Moses says when they're going to go to the promised land, if your presence isn't with us, we don't even want to go. That without the presence of the Lord, we can have the right answers, we can have all the terminology, we can have these things, but without His presence, um, it, it just it doesn't go very far. And that's where he says we imitate Him as beloved children. As this kid follows his dad around the track, it's the same way the Lord is desiring us to be imitators of Him. We see this in 1 John 5, 2 through 3 he says, By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and observe His commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. Just believe this morning that some of us may be in a season that, that we feel dry, in serving the Lord that whenever we feel dry in serving the Lord that's a big red flag from the Holy Spirit that say, man we shouldn't feel dry because in 1 John he says that this is we know the love of God that we obey not because we have to we obey not because it's a grudging obligation but just being with God's enough that being with Him is enough and, and that we love being able to do what God is calling us to do just like a, a son or a little kid loves to be able to follow his dad around be able to emulate his parents. In Ephesians 5:1, he uses the word dear children or beloved. This is the same Greek pha- phrase that the Father used for Christ when he says, This is my beloved son, in whom I'm well pleased. This is a, it's a word of delight. And we think of the one person who had the best relationship with the Father to ever walk the earth, the best, the person who, who knew the Father most intimacy, intimately was who? was Jesus Christ, right? And in, in John five nineteen, we see this picture of imitation. He says, Therefore Jesus answered and was saying to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself and that it is something that he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, these things the Son also does in like manner. That Jesus wasn't just going around just whipping out his authority or doing whatever he wanted, but Jesus had this relationship with the Father and he'd humbled himself that he was coming for this very purpose to glorify God. And that Jesus did what he saw the Father doing, that he did what he knew the Father's will was. Not only did Jesus do this, but in Acts 4, this is one of my favorite scriptures, he says, Now as they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. Now, that's, that's just a great, that's a great scripture. Because it didn't say, after all this, they began to recognize them as having been to seminary. or They had recognized them as having been to very well-educated, or having been very smart, or having been very trained. No, they just knew these guys, the only way they could do what they were doing is if they had been with Jesus Christ. And that's our opportunity today. That as we become imitators of God, that it wouldn't just be these two apostles, but it would be the church. There's no way these people could be the way they are if they had not been with God, if they had not been with Jesus Christ. There's a separation from the bride of Christ in the world because of the beauty and because of the intimacy that God is pouring out to us. And the great, great news is, is this ability to have been, been with Jesus is given to every single person who's been born again by the Spirit of God that the potential for us to do that is in us. So the question is, are we spending enough time with Him to exercise this? Do we spend enough time with Him for what's in us to actually be coming out of us, not just for answers, but going to the answer, which is Jesus Christ? As we begin to to go further on into Ephesians 5, 1 and 2... After he says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma.
1: And we talk a lot about
0: Jesus that if we soak in God's presence, if we're with the Lord, there's got to be a demonstration that follows that time with him and intimacy, that time with him personally. And that's what he lays out in verses 1 and 2, that as we imitate God, that we should walk in love. That it doesn't just stop with this intimacy with the Lord, but it, it displays itself in walking in love just as Christ loved us. You know, Rick has preached on this multiple times, but the, the phrase that gets thrown out of, you know, we just gotta love people, or we just gotta love them up, it's just kind of this vague term that gets used in Christianity sometimes not saying that term is necessarily bad, but it's hard to know exactly what that means. That could mean a lot of things. It could mean be nice. It could mean love people out of our own strength. But God defines what kind of love we walk out in in verse 2. He says, walk it out just as Christ loved us. And how did Christ really love us? And this scripture, as well as when we look in Philippians, really breaks that down for us. First thing I want to point out is, he says, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us. And the thing i hopefully just grasp today again as far as an identity, as far as the bride of Christ, is Jesus did not have to come. He did not have to die for us. He wasn't obligated to save us. But Jesus says he gave himself for us. And this was an act on his own initiative. And, that, um, and John, that Jesus says no one would take his life from him, but that he would lay his, his life down. That not only did the Father love the world by sending Christ, but Christ demonstrated his love for us and his love for the Father by being willing to go. That, that Jesus accepted this not out of obligation, but because he wanted to. And that brings us right back to First John where we just were, of that God's commandments aren't burdensome. That the cross, as terrible as it was and as painful as it would be for Jesus Christ, the cross was not his obligation. But instead, in Hebrews, he says that the cross was his joy. That it was Jesus' joy to go up to the cross on behalf of us, on behalf of the Father, because of his love and willingness to glorify God. And so as we talk about Christ-like love, Christ-like love can't be something that we just grit our teeth and just do. Because if, if, it, if it is, we'll get burnt out and we'll, we'll get dry. But Christ-like love has to be something that, that comes from the love within us, has to come from something that's beyond ourselves and is a willingness to go forward. Second part of this I want to hit this morning is he says, he gave himself for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. Some, some versions will say a sweet-smelling aroma. This is an Old Testament term, um, from oftentimes in Exodus or Leviticus. And what this term came from is when the priests would prepare a sacrifice, God would give them a list of things to do. It was cut off the fat, you know, maybe season it with this, even wear certain types of garments. And at the end of all this list, it says then when you offered this sacrifice, that it would be a sweet-smelling aroma to God. That, that after they had done exactly what God had asked them to do, that it would be something that pleased Him. That, that's what this fragrant aroma is, something that pleases God. There's a big difference between being exact on something and being picky. I don't know if you guys have ever thought about the difference on that, but someone who is picky, they're just looking for faults. They're looking to be critical. They're looking to tell you what you're doing wrong. They're just looking for something to be picky about, but someone who's exact, they're just looking for truth, and God has never been picky. God's not looking to just find us in our fault, but what God does, he brings truth He gives us the Holy Spirit of truth and he wants us to bring forth truth that's a sweet-smelling aroma to him. And that's exactly what Jesus did, that Jesus was the exact sacrifice, the exact offering that was required for us to be in relationship with the Lord. Something that comes up a lot in evangelism, if you talk to people who are who are not believers, if you ask them about how man, how do you how do you get to heaven? A lot of times, it boils down to works. People want to work work their way. And and one thing that always intrigues me is if you ask somebody how God will judge them. If we say our works, when was the last time you were in a court case or heard of a court case? If someone came in, say they'd robbed a bank. And they were 40 years old. And they told the judge, for the last 39 years, I've done a lot of really good things. Therefore, this one mistake should be outweighed by all the really good things I've done. No one goes to court and gets judged on the good things they've done. You go to court to be judged on the wrong that we've committed. That our good works could never outweigh what we had done in our sin. Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. When we talk about a wage, everyone here has had a job in something. When you work at something, you get paid for it, right? And a wage, in that sense of, of sin, it was not only a physical death, but it was an eternal death. Not that God had just thrown on us, but something that we had earned by our wages, something that we had accumulated on our own. And when Christ came, Christ didn't just come to forgive us, but he came to pay for us. That sacrifice in the Old Testament was this payment on behalf of God for sin. And Jesus was finding that that perfect, that final payment that wasn't just here to forgive us, but was here to pay for us so that God righteously could forgive us, that God is a righteous judge. He won't judge on the good things we've done, but He will judge based upon the blood of Christ. And the reason why I want to point this out is when we talk about an offering and a sacrifice to God as a sweet-smelling aroma or as a fragrant aroma, I want to look at Isaiah 53.10. It says, But the Lord was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief, if he would render himself as a guilt offering, he will see his offspring, he will prolong his days, and the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. That actually pleased the Lord to crush his own son because of the exactness, because of the truth that Christ brought in order for us to be in a right relationship with him. It wasn't something that, again, Christ or the Father did out of obligation but it was something they did out of willingness for the fact and for the exactness of us being able to be in right relationship with the person of Jesus Christ. So when we talk about Christ like love, Jesus just didn't, he did a lot of good things, man. He taught a lot of good things, he preached love. But Jesus was willing to have this sacrificial love that came to the point of him being crushed under the wrath of God, that would have fallen on us, but it fell on Him. Instead, this was a sacrificial love that goes beyond just doing nice things or saying the right things, but goes deep towards sacrifice and to humility. In Philippians chapter 2, what does this look like on a practical scale? What does this look like to walk out Christ's likeness? He says, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, But with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourself. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourself, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by being obedient to the point of death even death on a cross. Praying through this scripture this week, the thing the Lord really dealt with me on um, was verse 3 that he says, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourself. And honestly, when was the last time we did that? That the people we saw, whether it was in this church or out in our community, we saw their needs as more important than our needs. That Jesus saw our need to be reconciled to God more important than what was going to happen to him in the process. That there was this wrath that he was going to have to drink on our behalf. But he saw our need to be reconciled to God more important than his own body, even unto death. And when we talk about Christ like love, there's this shift that, that can only come with an intimacy, can only come with being an imitator of God. Because I don't know anybody who thinks like this. You know, when you really look at Philippians, no one naturally things like this. There's people who are, um, can do a lot of humanitarian good that can help a lot of people, but that willingness to lay down our lives and to really esteem others as more important than ourselves is not something that we do naturally. He goes on to talk about not looking out for merely our own interests, but also for this interest of, of others. I love in, in, in verse 6 he's talking about Jesus being in the form of God. And when you look at the person of Christ, what blows me away is how hard and how much we will struggle to not humble ourselves underneath people. How, how much we will fight and struggle without really putting someone's interest above our own. But yet Jesus, who's God in the flesh, was willing to do this. The, the King of glory who had all riches, all power, all might, was willing to lay down all of that just for us to know God. We're willing to lay down all of that for us to have this intimacy with Him that we could have no other way. So as we look at this Christ-like love, and we, we talk about demonstrating this in Ephesians, I'll flip back here to Ephesians 5. I want us just to take a look at this scripture as we've talked about what it means to be an imitator as a beloved child, the way a child imitates their father. And as we look about walking out in love as Christ loved us, just a challenge for this week you just take time daily to really meditate on the gospel. You know, sometimes I feel like we for some reason graduate from this sweet smelling aroma that Christ gave up for us. That this the joy of the Lord and, and the power of our salvation comes from the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. It comes from what he was willing to lay down on our behalf something I've talked to some of you guys about, but just how quickly we get dissatisfied with just serving Him. How quickly we need other things to satisfy us because being in His presence just doesn't go all the way. That we aren't just fully content being imitators of God, but we need other things, whether that's ministry, whether that's a family, whether that's money, whether these, these things that we feel like we need in order to be really content. But the question for myself, the question for us, at what point did what Christ do on the cross to reconcile us back to the Father? When was that just not enough? When when, when was that blood that was spilt for us and this this outpouring of the Holy Spirit for us to know God, when has that just lost the, the contentment or, or the hunger in our heart? As we get close to, to wrapping this up, just want to ask again, are are we in a season where we may feel dry? Are we in a season where we may feel like, like serving the Lord is an obligation or serving the Lord and we feel burnt out? Though it doesn't always take deep, dark, terrible sin to get us in those places, but what it takes is just prioritizing, doing things for God, prioritizing other people from just being in His presence. Before we can walk out Christ's love, it takes this imitation of being with Him. And the moment we start to... To doubt our identity, the, the moment we start to really be hard on ourselves, the moment we start to load ourselves, it comes from we're just not hearing his voice. That Jesus says, man, that, that we are a sheep, that we will hear his voice. And this identity of the bride of Christ that we'll be hitting in chapter 5 is rooted at being with him. It's rooted with, with spending time with him and haven't been married very long yet, but one of these days it'll be long. Um, but for those of you who've been married long, you just know that. Marriage or, or any relationship just takes that intimacy. It just takes spending time with each other. You could leave notes for each other. You could send each other text messages. You can even FaceTime. But if you're not together, it, you just you lose it, and you can't walk out love for one another without being with one another. And that's exactly what Christ is getting at here with us being His bride. That we have to be able to embrace our identity with Him, and when we love each other, man, we just want to spend time with each other. It's the motivation. That is driving us. So as we begin, um, we got, I almost I forgot this again. almost forgot first service too. We do have communion um, this morning. But as we begin to prepare for our offering, and as our worship crew begins to make their way back to the front, I just want to challenge us, are we Are we spending enough time with God to be an imitator because I know if I spend enough time with Jake man I'll start talking like Jake I spend enough time with Sarah we start saying the same things are we spending that time of quality time with the Lord outside of just seeking for answers outside of just trying to grow but just spending time with him is that where our heart's at and also the times where we do feel ashamed and we feel we have feelings everyone in here has feelings but just not letting our feelings dictate reality, not letting our feelings dictate truth. Because no matter what we feel, for those of us who have been born again by the Spirit of God, we're, we're the bride of Christ. He, the work He's started us, He's going to complete. And we have to shift our focus from what we feel to the truth of the Word and the truth of what Jesus Christ is doing. So we want to um, bring up our, our offering for this morning. Father God, Lord, I thank you so much for being our provider, Lord, that even the birds of the air, Lord, um, you, you provide for them, Lord. They don't gather, but, but yet you feed them, and you care about us much more than that, Lord. And so I pray for an increased amount of faith, Lord, in giving, Lord, an increased amount of faith in the realm of financials, God, that you will provide, Lord, but Lord, you just ask us to give us our, our first fruit, Lord, out of trust, Lord, out of love for you. God, so I pray that we would be able to give out a willing hearts, Father, and I pray that Eosys would just steward our money well, Lord, that we would steward what you've given us for the advancement of the gospel for the kingdom of God. Lord, so we thank you and we praise you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As we begin to close, you guys can see communion's here. You guys can walk down the center aisle, wrap around so we don't get a traffic jam. I'll lead us in a prayer in a little bit, but just as we take this communion remembrance of what Christ has done, just reflecting on the intimate time we, we spend with Him, as well as if you guys have anything that the Lord's been stirring up in you, a word, feel free to come up um, and share that, and we'll give you guys a mic to be able to do that. But we will we'll begin with communion. Jamie and, and Nat will be pre- pre- uh, playing for us And I'll lead us in a little community here um, in a bit, but you guys feel free to do that on your own as well.